Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. This is Trading Spaces. Guy Adami and myself, Dan Nathan, we do them every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. live on Twitter Spaces. They also go into our podcast feed on the tape podcast. Both are sponsored by CME Group. We love CME Group. They are the largest futures exchange in the world. Guy, you love huge CME fan, Group, don't as you, you know. I've been a, a a huge fan ever since I met Terry Duffy. I met him in the late '80s, early '90s, and we've been remained uh, fast friends ever since. But the company is just a juggernaut. So absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, here we are. Um, we're going to have Liz Young of SoFi. Join us in about 15 minutes. She just put out her 2022 market outlook. We're going to talk about some of the key points in there. But, Guy, let's hit the markets here. we got 15 minutes. Let's run through this stuff because there's a lot going on here. And, and, you know, it's interesting that the narrative over the last couple of weeks with this latest variant, you know, a lot of people were comparing it, at least as far as the market, the market impact. Obviously, the health impacts are super important. Neither Guy or I are um you know that's way 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 above our pay grade here but we're charged this guy likes to say with figuring out markets people were thinking that it might go the way of the, the delta variant here what is your take right now as people are thinking about the reopening trades uh, around the world or the you know the reopening of economies and what that means yeah for i'm not trading. certain again i mean i understand why people are pointing to the variant as the cause of this i think that's one of them obviously you know the yeah. market started getting beaten down that Friday after Thanksgiving when news first broke. So there's no dismissing or denying that this is a component. But I think it's more so, and I've said it, and I think you agree with this. I think a lot of it is the fact that the Fed has done a 180, and they're, and they're changing the narrative a bit. And I think the market is trying to figure that out. And on top of that, I think this Build Back Better that did not go through, I think, is, is hurting the market as well. So I think those three things. And then you know, the fall in crypto, I don't know if that's a factor. I don't know if they're all related or not, but I don't think that can be discounted as well. And I think when in a, in a world where valuations didn't matter for the longest time, we're now in a place where valuations are starting to matter. And I think that's what you're seeing. If, and if you watch these stocks under the hood, something you've talked about now for a while, you know, some of the damage being done under the hood, below the surface type of thing has been extraordinary. And the only thing, the reason we're not talking about it or haven't talked about it or the broader media is not talking about it is because until recently, the market held up pretty well. Yeah, and, and the point there is the broad market held up pretty well, but most stocks and most indices are 100% in either correction mode with many sectors that have been in all-out crash mode. And you know, you, you've properly you know, said to keep an eye on the Russell 2000, the small caps is just a kind of good broad barometer of maybe what we might see in the major indices that are being held up by, let's call it five to 10 um, stocks or so. And so I guess the question that investors guy have to ask themselves right now is that if you're just in the major indices, uh, excluding, let's say the Russell 2000, the S&P and the NASDAQ, you're doing just fine. You're actually having a great year, right? But if you're a stock picker, then you're having a more difficult well, time and, because yeah. at that point, the stuff that you're attracted to might be the stuff that 
the upside was fantastic, but on the downside, it's getting down. And the reason, and the reason why I've brought the stock picker thing up a number of times, and I've used her as an example. And again, you know, her performance since I think started in 2014 has been extraordinary. But you know, you look at the names in Kathy Wood's Ark ETF, and many of those names are names that the retail crowd has gravitated towards, and they were the right names to be in um, until they weren't. And I think all but one or two of those names are down any, you know, north of now 20% from their peak. Some some a lot more than that, by the way. So that's problematic. And you look at the ARK ETF and you see now either side of 90, I think, or maybe 92, I don't know. But you could see how dramatically that's sold off. The other thing you should just for just because it's interesting, you know, Rivian traded up to, I think, $179 and change in, in November. Well, that's now been cut in half since then, which, you know, it's anecdotal, but again, it speaks to what's been going on in the, in the broader market. Yeah, I guess what I would say is that it's not really anecdotal, Guy, because when you think about it, if, if there's all this hype about these new stories and these companies that are about to change the world and the people that kind of founded them and some of the early investors that were in there and the growth investors who were buying along the way, and then when they finally get to public markets, if they take a crap, it really says that there's something broken in the way that we actually are doing com company formation and the way it gets to that initial public offering. You know, It seems somewhat unfair, if you will, that everyone else gets to cash out um, on the IPO or soon after, and then the retail, you know, are kind of left holding the bag. And if you look at every major tech IPO of the last five years, you will see that I, I can't think of a single one, okay, snap back in 2017, you know, that don't get cut in half at some point off of their post IPO highs, you know. And so I just think that is a bit of a problem. We're also seeing devastation. In SPAC land, um, there were too many. We all knew it. Um, they were coming, you know, fast and first, furious in Q1 of this year. I think Q1 of this year had more SPAC issuance than all of 2020 combined. Which you ready for this guy? 2020 was larger than the prior eight years yep. of issuance. And so, listen, and we talked about all these things. And you know, it's funny. All we look, all we try to do is just help people navigate and, and give our opinions in terms of things and. You know, what I've learned is the vitriol that comes on the back of that, uh, just for trying to be honest, is pretty interesting. You know, I know there are a lot of people out there that, you know, sell calls against everything and, you know, they, they mitigate their risk and they're never wrong. And I get it. And, you know, good for them. I'm not one of those people. I'm always wrong. But what I'll tell you is, you know, look at Tesla. I mean, we have said now since um, I think the stock was either side of 1150 or so that it was probably the right thing for it to do was to trade back down to the prior all-time high from February, which was $900.33, I think. And if you look at it, well, here we are. So that's interesting. And we mentioned also that the right thing for the S&P to do was to trade back down to the prior all-time high we made in August before things sort of cratered into October, September, October, which was, I think, about 45.35 or thereabouts. Well, here we are. So these things make sense. I mean, you know, that's all we're really trying to do. The S&P 500, I think we can draw a trend line, is still in a very steep uptrend since effectively March or so of 2020. I mean, that, man, if you look at it, that's intact. Well, Carter, um, actually, Carter Braxtonworth, who's a good friend of ours, and actually we have a really exciting piece of news to, to announce on Mondays. Every Monday in 2022, 
Guy and I, we have this thing we call Market Call. It's a video that we do. Right now, we're just doing them. What are we doing? Tuesdays and Thursdays, Market Call. Um, we're going to be doing one with Carter Braxton Worth on Mondays yeah, at 11 a.m. It's going to be live. It's going to be lit. FactSet is going to be sponsoring it. We love FactSet. FactSet sponsors our Market Call on Thursdays, as does SoFi. Um, so we're really excited about that. But Carter Worth had a money in motion from worth charting guys. You got to check his stuff out, go to his Twitter. You'll find out where to access it. But he actually said, you love it. When he does this, the lines draw themselves guy, I love that. and he's doing the S and P 500. And if you look at the report, maybe he's tweeted it out already. I don't know, Amanda, if you can kind of find that, but he starts drawing the lines on that uptrend from the March loan, the S and P 500. And we bounced off of it this fall. Then we just bounced off it again on this one, but now we're kind of breaching that uptrend, um, what does it mean to you, Guy, that this is also happening with the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield uh, at 1.39 right here, right? We have um, a, a, a dollar, a Dixie that's hanging out around 96 and a half, right? We have crude oil that's come in. There's a lot of, I mean, listen, it's a lot of cross currents, right? I, I mean, let's be really clear on that. If you told me rates were screaming and, you know, and the, and the crude was screaming and, you know, I, I'd get a, maybe a little bit, a bit more concerned here. Does this have the potential just to be the kind of run of the mill five to six percent peak to trough decline in the S and P five hundred? I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it before, and so until until the market you know shows me otherwise, it's no reason not to believe it's it's not going to history is not yeah. going to repeat itself again. But there, are, I mean, there's so many things to be concerned about going into the new year. Valuations are still extreme. People will say, you know, this sell-off is overdone. I said, and sell-off is overdone in relation to what? I mean, what have we been doing over the last decade or so in this market? I mean, with the exception of a couple moves, literally a couple months here and there, I mean, the thing has gone straight up. So I would submit, you know, maybe we're just beginning something. I actually said on the show um, last week, Melissa asked me in terms of some of these names, you know, what are you looking for in terms of, you know, downside moves? And I said, look, for some of these names, you've seen moves anywhere from 35 to 70%. And I think in aggregate, you're looking for an 18 to a 25% decline in some of these high flyers. And I don't think that's that preposterous. So are we on the verge of something? Yeah, I, I believe so. But you've seen it a dozen times, if not more. The market has a way of um, finagling itself out of these situations. Yeah, last week on Fast Money, um, I had a, a couple comments, you know, about the valuation of value tech and the crowding in Apple and Microsoft and, and Alphabet. And, you know, to me, I think there's a really easy way to make an argument that they're not exactly value as it relates to the, the, the frameworks that we've used over the last, let's say, 20 years. I mean, are their balance sheets amazing? Is their moat defensible? Are their managements, you know, this and that or whatever? Yeah, but like, you know, Apple's a great example of a stock trading 30 times earnings that is expected to have earnings growth of low single digits, sales growth of low single digits. Yeah, their margins have been increasing over the last couple of years, but a lot of that's to do with the stuff, you know, just basically their pricing power that they have, right, with a lot of their suppliers, their better logistics and stuff like that. So they've been less hurt by some of these supply chain um, disruptions. The stock multiple has been, uh, you know, I mean, listen, they, they buy back a shit ton of stock and everything like that. So I think they're like kind of really unique situations. But if Microsoft and Apple were to be re-rated a couple turns here, you got a market that, you know, like none of the stuff that was working banks and um, and energy and some industrials, they're not going to hold it up. And, and, and I'd love to get your take, Guy, 
on, on energy today. Like, look at crude oil. Look at the knee-jerk reaction. Look at the reaction of bank stocks today with that move in yields. There's a couple things that if, if, if commodities were to go lower and yields were to go lower, where's the support in the things that uh, the that, that market participants are supposed to rotate into in the equity world? Well, I mean, this what's going on speaks to exactly what Danny Moses has been talking about and you've talked about as well. I mean, this this notion that it's, it's stagflation that's a real concern and you know, that's manifesting itself in 10-year yields, to your point, now below 1.4. Uh, a two-year that continues to sort of grind higher. So what, on the front end, what you're seeing is, you know, the Fed's behind it. In the back end, there's a growth concern. And that's problem. that is really problematic. And I don't know how they extricate themselves from that situation. So a lot of dicey stuff here. In terms of levels, well, you've been spot on about crude. I thought we'd see triple-digit crude by the end of the year. That was wrong. Um, and now here we are sort of in no man's land. But in terms of a name like Apple, I mean, 157, and I've said this for a while, makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. Um, and we've seen peak to trough declines of that magnitude many times before. And I think maybe we're on the verge of another one here, Dan. You know, Guy, last night I was watching um, Die Hard, one of the best Christmas movies ever. Obviously, mm. that's debatable by many uh, with my daughter, Ellie, and you know, Sergeant Powell, remember Sergeant Powell? Sure. Who, yeah, he was late to the party. He said, welcome to the party, pal. Um, you know, he was filling up his his tank uh, on his cruiser, getting a bunch of Twinkies before he got the call to Nakatomi Plaza to investigate what was going on up there. And, you know, this was this movie was back in, what, 1988 or something. You could have gotten a gallon of regular gas for 74 cents a gallon back there in L.A. in 88, right near Nakatomi Plaza. It, it is truly astounding. I mean, like... You know, energy prices, though, you know, this was a thing that was kind of offset right during the pandemic, if you think about it, by all the stimulus. But if it remains high here, like, you know, with stimulus gone, is that a big factor in your in your way of thinking? Or does this move in crude? Does it really help the cause as we had? Yeah, I mean, it's going to help. It can't hurt. But I mean, there's, it's interesting. I went I had to go grocery shopping last night and typically. You know, it's it's you know, you just don't pay attention, I guess. But I happen cheapest to just, thing you could do. Well, but, you know, a gallon of milk costs not even a gallon of milk, a half gallon of milk costs four dollars and 19 cents. I think one of these like, you know, two percent milks. I'm like, wow. Then I went to buy eggs and there were no egg. Literally, there were no eggs in that portion of the, of the freezer section or whatever, the refrigerated yeah. section. And oh, by the way, um, Helene probably has this. But lumber prices, which cratered. Um, after making that huge run into the summer, are now on their way back up again. So you said cross currents. You're 100% right. There are just a lot of crazy things going on out there. Yeah, true that. All right, let's see if we can get um, Liz on here because she's got her 2022 outlook. She's going to be talking about it a bit more with, and with some charts on our um, market call on Thursday. So, Amanda, you're going to try to get her up in here. Um, Guy, what are some of the things that you're looking for today? Like as we go into the close, I see the, the Russell 2000 down 2.5%. I see the NASDAQ composite off of its lows, but down a little less than 2%. What are some of the things that you'd like to see kind of firm up a little bit if you thought we were going to kind of make a run into the close and maybe try to put in a little bit of a bottom? I look at the NASDAQ. It's just below the lows um, from a couple weeks ago. S&P, same. Uh, what's on your radar this afternoon? So the VIX is north of 25 right now. See how that trades the rest of the day. If that starts to give it up, that's a bit of a good sign. You mentioned the Russell, and we've talked about the levels now below that sort of 210 level. That's sort of a line in the sand. And I mentioned on Fast Money, 
the fact that the XRT is a mirror image of the IWM is really interesting. And again, the XRT, which had a huge false breakout back, I want to say in November, is now below its support level of about 85. So 210 IWM, 85 XRT, uh, potentially below 23 in the VIX. Those are the things that I would be watching for. All right, fair enough. Listen, I'm, I'm actually very worried about retail for some of the reasons that you just mentioned as far as food prices um, as we head into the new year. I think discounting was heavy. It was early. It was often. And I think with the stimulus roll-off this year, I think we're going to see a different set situation. I know that consumer balance sheets are supposedly in great hands, but you think about if housing were to come in a little bit, if the stock market were to come in a little bit, if wage inflation were to kind of stagnate a little bit, um, you know, we might see a different um, sentiment out of a consumer. All right. We have Liz Young. Liz is a good friend of ours, a good friend of Rich Virtual Media's. As we said earlier, Guy, why don't you put a little uh, mute on there for the, for the second? I'm trying. Um, I know. Um, <laughs> oh, well, Amanda oh, there she is. There's Liz. Liz, Liz, is, wait, Liz is Green Bay Packers squeaked oh, out of man. Baltimore last night. Guy, can you give us a little 411 on that one? Because, listen, I got to tell you. I like Harbaugh going for two and late in the fourth quarter on two attempts this year. They got to get better at that one play that they call. But what do you think, Guy Dami, really quickly before Liz gets in here? Well, I mean, the Packers, they you said squeak it out. They did. Now I think they sit atop the NFC, so good for them. But I tell you what, man, they have, they're this, their second-half performances this year have not been particularly good, in my opinion. So if I'm a Packer of Green Bay fan, which I'm not, I would not be I would not be all that optimistic heading into the playoffs. That's just Ouch. me. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out, though. I still think the Rams. I don't think people are giving them their just due. I think that team is putting it together. Back to you. What's back up, to Liz? Me or back to Dan. Back well, to you, Liz. Let's, yeah, let's, let's hear it. Hold on, though. I mean, <laughs> well, I was I almost tweeted this yesterday. I I was gonna say there's three things in football. There's offense, there's defense, and there's special teams. And if you had to choose one to suck, I guess I would choose special teams. And that's kind of where we are. Uh, but we should have won by more than one point yesterday. I'll give you that. But I would say this too, in the words of Warren Buffett, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tweak them a little bit, but never bet against the Green Bay Packers. There you go. There you go. Um, that, listen, what do you guys make of, is, are there any, like, is there anything that you can kind of, any metaphors you can make about John Harbaugh in two instances this year against his Steelers, right? Going for two to win the game, right? Or, and, and, and this was an important game for them too. That takes a lot of, you know what, a lot of, a lot of stones. A lot of chutzpah. Yeah, a lot of chutzpah. Called? Is that what you guys call it out there in Wisconsin there? <laughs> what do you think, Liz? I mean, I like, literally. I think we call it something that's inappropriate for a financial services oh, yeah, trading yeah, spaces. That, that's true. All right, well, let's yeah. keep it clean. All right, let's get into your stuff because I know you got to go to, and we really wanted to hit this. And we're going to hit this on Thursday on Market Call. Liz comes on with Guy and me every Thursday live at 11 a.m. And it's sponsored by Faxet and by SoFi. And we get to hear her weekly um, download. She writes a blog. It comes out every Thursday morning. But this is the this is your big 2022 outlook, okay? Yep. And we're going to talk more about it. We're going to go through all the charts on Thursday. But give us the headlines here, what you're thinking about. And really, I, I guess, like, start out, what do you think between now and your end? And then let's get you 2022. Yeah, well, first I'll start by apologizing that this does not have any holiday puns in it, because I know I promised those to you guys all the way through December. But this one needed to be a little bit more applicable to the new year. Um, what I see between now and the end of the year, look, we just talked about this. I, I did halftime report today on CNBC. 
we keep talking about a Santa Claus rally and everybody's asking, why well, are we still in for a Santa Claus rally? It's December 20th. Like, haven't we already not had one? And, you know, I guess technically the definition of a Santa Claus rally is the last few trading days of the year and the first couple days of January. I think people need to check their calendars on when Santa Claus actually comes. That would be more of a New Year's rally. But uh, I do think that we could go lower for, for this week. Um, you know, I'm not one to call bottoms in markets. I don't think that that's a winning proposition. But also remember, the market is going to bottom before the bad news peaks. And I'm going to keep using that phrase until it happens. And, yeah. you know, I think what's going on right now is obviously the market is worried about COVID. There's little pockets of the market that did not like this build back better news today, things like the electric vehicle space. But I also think the market's going to get over this a lot faster every time it happens. There's going to be another variant, I'm sure, in 2022. We're going to have to work through this. And we're now getting to the point where we're learning how to live with it. Um, you know, I, I don't think it bodes well for things like retail. I heard your comment on retail, and, and I think some of the data we've already seen out of Black Friday and Cyber Monday doesn't bode well for the retail data that we're going to get in January. But, um, you know, I, I think for the rest of the year, if you have money that you're trying to put to work, it's an okay time to, you know, nibble at things. But I'd be careful about what you're nibbling on. And I think tech is not necessarily the place to be nibbling. I think if you're overweight tech, you get back to neutral, maybe even slightly under and position yourself for 2022, which is what the outlook is about, right? So the theme here is about running, uh, running into the wind. I think we spent most of 2021 running with the wind at our backs and we had the Fed behind us. And now we're going into an environment where the Fed isn't going to save us, and I don't think the Fed should save us. All right, question, though, question, because, you know, Guy and I have talked about this. I mean, Jerome Powell just got himself so turned around. I mean, like, like, like so turned around. And, and so now, you know, what do we know? What do we learn in 2018 when they were raising rates and, you know, the 10-year got above three and the, and the Fed funds was above two? It, you know, the stock market just, like, careened lower. It was a little bit of a growth scare um, internationally, and it was down nearly 20% in a straight line. And then what did he do? He got more dovish. So do you think part of this has to do with the fact that they just don't want to continue to do the quantitative easing, but ultimately they're okay? with the fact that they may never really raise rates in the way the market was expecting just a few weeks ago. So that's not going to be much of an issue in 2022. I still think they have to raise rates. Um, you know, I, I do think the market got ahead of itself in assuming they were going to do it three times and they were going to start in, you know, April or whatever originally we thought. But I, I disagree that he got turned around. I don't think that, that he got really turned around at all. I think he was late on retiring the word transitory, but I don't think he got turned around. I mean, what would you have suggested he do? Start tightening in the middle of Delta? That was really the first variant. That but that's effectively to- what he did, though, Liz. I mean, but when, when, when he changed his tune over the last you know month and a half about transitory, what, what happened in the two-year? It went up, you know, 20 bips. And I, and I think what's interesting also is that, you know, Guy and I were just talking about that the, the 10-year went down um, 20 bips as the two-year went up. And it was mm-hmm. telling you that, you know, growth expectations um, are going to be lower and, and that maybe that they were willing to kind of really attack the inflation um, issues that I do believe are going to be transitory. I really do. I think we're going to be looking back in a few weeks from now. There's a bunch of stuff that's going to get canceled. Some schools and back to work are going to get pushed out. But this might be the last bash, you know, you know the last sort of battle 
um, in this pandemic, in, in my opinion, and, and again, I'm not an epidemiologist or anything like that. I've heard a lot of people smarter than me um, who focus on this stuff very closely say this is actually very similar to what happened in 1918. You had a much more highly transmissible variant that actually did not make people nearly as sick and, and deaths and hospitalizations and all that stuff weren't that bad. And then that's the quicker that you reach this sort of herd immunity that it takes for this thing to fizzle out a little bit. I, I really do think that's going to happen. And uh, maybe I'm wish casting. But so to me, I just don't I, I just don't see like the, the scars of the bottlenecks in supply chains and some of the price increases. I don't see them really sticking, to be very frank. Okay, so there's there's actually a chart, which maybe I'll use this on Thursday, in my outlook about one-year inflation expectations. Mm-hmm. Both the consumer answers this question and the market, so to speak, answers this question. The consumer thinks that inflation is still going to be above 6% in one year. I agree with you. I think that's wrong. I think inflation will be below 6%. I don't think we're going to stay at this level. The market which we're using break-even rates for this, thinks that inflation is going to be in the mid-threes. I think that is right. I think that we stay above 3%. I talked about this uh, last week, I believe, on Market Call, about a sweet spot being between 1% and 3% in CPI for the market. So that would be teetering on a problem, right, for the market to kind of navigate its way through. Can it still go up? I do think it can still go up. One place where I disagree with you, though, on the 10-year is that I think the 10-year fell not because we're worried about growth. I think the 10-year fell because people were worried that Powell was going to make a mistake and that his mistake would then affect growth. And I think the market got ahead of itself in thinking that he was going to raise rates kind of unabashedly after they finished tapering and just go on his way regardless of what the market said. I I just don't think that that's the case. I think that he has a scar, a scab from 2018, and he's not going to make that same mistake again. But at the same time, he's going into January, February, March, where we still probably have really high inflationary pressures or numbers that are going to come out because the comps don't get tough until April. So if we're looking at year over year inflation, he's still got inflation numbers. He has to do his job. And his job is to control prices. So there's still going to be narrative from him that says we're watching inflation. But I agree that, you know, I think I think the market is expecting him to raise. Well, let's bring it back to the stock market, though. What does it mean if companies decide that they maybe agree that that by the back half of this year, things are going to get better? What does that mean for margins in the stock market and valuations ultimately? That say that again, that in the back half of this year, the corporate landscape is going to get better. No, the ba- what does it mean for margins? It, let's just say inflation expectations get better, but in the meantime, oh. corporations oh. are going to have a hard time as far as visibility, and then, therefore, let's say they start eating some of these near-term pricing increases. What does it mean for margins? What does it mean for valuations in the stock they're, market? Yeah, they're already eating them. They're already eating them because if you look at PPI versus CPI, PPI is way above CPI. So that tells me they're not passing it all through. They're already eating them. The good news for companies is that profit margins were at – record highs before that started right before that spread began so the fact that they're eating them i don't think is going to ruin anybody's uh, bottom line and the stamina of it is really the big question right so can they eat them through the first half of the year probably probably in in a, a number of places we also have wage growth that continues to pick up and has stayed up so as long as that is there as an offsetting measure for consumers? Wage growth on the lower end, unskilled. I, yeah, you know, listen, that's again, true. I'm not, I'm not, 
I, I think all these narratives that a lot of people sound really smart talking about. I mean, Scott, you know, listen, you know, Guy and I were just dumb stock market and, and options, <laughs> you know, dummies or whatever. But yeah, I just go back to this, Liz. I'm much older than you. Guy is much older than me. Everything that I witnessed <laughs> as it relates to the economy, as it relates to the market since I've been in 25 years, everything mean reverts. Everything. And when you think about how much stimulus that we threw at this, both monetary and fiscal, and maybe there was supposed to be some more with this build back better. It's just going to revert, and sooner or later, this thing's going to be over. And then all the frameworks that we kind of turned upside on our head for the last two years or so, they're going to go back. And I just kind of that, – that's the thing that worries me. I think there's just a lot of, like, over-exuberance still about a handful of sort of pockets in the markets that are really holding things up. So what, what's your take on the stock market? We're going to go deeper into it on a market call on Thursday. I'm just saying near-term, though, like, we, we got your near-term out. Like, 2022, what's the return environment look like, assuming that rates are not going to be much higher than they're here? Yeah, I mean, this the mean reversion thing for you explains why your nickname used to be Baby Bear. I'd give you, I'd give you Big Bear now, because if you look at what, Top of what's bear. the mean... The mean P.E. on the S&P is over 10 years. I think it's like 16, right, something like that. So you're suggesting that we have a, a pretty big pullback to get back down to that level. I believe in mean reversion in some areas. I actually don't believe in it everywhere. And I think the only thing that's certain in life is change. And the mean constantly is moving. So I think that mean has gotten a little bit out of whack with some of the easy policy. But when you look at What's going to happen in 2022? I'll tell you the mistake I won't make here is to tell you, okay, we're going to go back into uh, an environment where we're just going to get average returns because my friend Bryn Talkington continues to remind me that rarely does the S&P actually post that number. So average is somewhere between, let's call it 7 and 10%. Very rarely does the S&P actually do that. So I don't think that's the case. But what I do think is that we will get positive returns in 2022 it's going to be hard earned. So it's going, to, it's going to be like that Packer game yesterday. It was a win, but we worked hard to get it. And it's going to be driven by much different leadership. And I think there are a lot of investors going into this environment who are not prepared for that new leadership. Yeah, well, it's interesting because the new leadership is the same as the old leadership right now. You know, when you have a dozen names holding up the entire stock market and if rates don't go higher, you're not going to have banks. Um, you're just not. Um, you know, the energy thing could be fits and starts. Some industrials are going to have a, a harder time. And if you look at a lot of the, you know, kind of high valuation tech, um, you know, we're starting to lose them, man. And, and I got to tell you, I can't I can't put too fine a point on what just happened with Salesforce.com and Adobe over the last couple of weeks. These are big companies that had huge declines the day after their earnings. I think we're going to see late January as we get Q4 results and Q1 guidance. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And I think that the fact that we have not had a 10% peak clock trough decline in all of 2021, I think it's like one of the longest periods in a very long time that we haven't. It's going to be one of only five years in like the last 40 that we haven't. I think there's a nasty sell-off coming to a theater near you in January, in my opinion. But um, hey, Guy Dami, are you back I'm here, back. buddy? I'm back. This has got to go in a couple minutes. I know you are, but let's get in there with Liz a little bit, a little preview of uh, Thursday's market call when she comes on and we look at it. Uh, we look the at the market calls on Thursday have become much listened to, much watch. I don't know if it's TV or digital or video, whatever the hell you're watching on, it's hysterical. And this last <laughs> Thursday was particularly fun as Liz decided to go all pun, you know, towards the end of the year. And, you know, I'm one of these people that hates those things. So she did it. I, I'm convinced she did it just to what do they call that, Dan, when you try to tweak somebody? Yeah, you call them. Yeah, well, them. she succeeded. 
And if you're looking for that kind of jocularity layered with some intelligence on her part, not mine, tune in on Thursdays. All right. Well, Thanks, well Liz, Liz, we really appreciate you joining us. Liz has been a great friend of ours uh, in 2021. She's been uh, so gracious with her content on Trading Spaces, on On The Tape podcast, on Market Call, which she has become a really important part of. And we're really uh, happy to partner uh, with SoFi on that. So check that out. Thursday, 11 a.m. live. You can find it on our Twitter. Liz and I want to thank you all for joining us on this. This will be in our On The Tape podcast feed in a couple hours. Um, so check it out. Thank you to CME Group. They are the sponsor of our trading spaces. They're also the sponsor of our podcast, On The Tape, which we do with the magnificent Danny Moses. With Guy, is Danny Moses now 20 and 3 uh, in the is NFL? Just, is, he is just he's killing, killing it. it. He's killing it. Um, all right. So, guys, thank you all for joining us. Check it out in the podcast stores. We'll check you all. Oh, last week we had Scott Wapner on. He was a great, we had a great conversation with him. So check that, still download that one. You can see that in the podcast stores. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Bye.